Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas beat Kansas City, formerly UMKC, 98-57. to And that was David McCormick's game. Pretty much the best game of his career, I think you could say, thinking back to last season, maybe the only Oklahoma game uh, at Oklahoma could rival that. But David McCormick was awesome last night. But to give you an idea of what we'll be talking about today, uh, I'm going to focus a lot on kind of the two big look that Kansas showed last night, um, why maybe it looked a little bit different, and what contributed to those differences. Um, and then after that, we'll talk a little bit about what's kind of coming up for Kansas now that they've kind of gotten rid of the so-and-so cupcake part of the schedule um, where you know, you're playing games where you're supposed to win by double figures, if not 20 or more. Uh, and you know you got Villanova coming up this Saturday. Stanford on the 29th, uh, and then you get into Big 12 play. So kind of we'll talk about uh, specifically Villanova and then some big picture things going forward as well. But starting off talking about David McCormick's performance, uh, I think the biggest thing that stood out uh, early in the game was the difference in McCormick's mindset. Uh, If you remember in past games with McCormick, what he's done to start the games is you remember him maybe you know shooting the ball once or twice in those first five or six possessions. Um, you know I think about against Milwaukee, he comes out and shoots a bunch early, um, doesn't necessarily shoot a, a high percentage. Uh, you think about the game before that where he comes out and makes uh, I think Kansas first six of the eight points. You know, and then after that, he doesn't score for the rest of the game. So David McCormick has gotten off to good starts this year shooting the ball. But I think the biggest difference you saw uh, on Saturday from McCormick was the way that he was taking those shots. And not the mechanics, not the form, anything like that. But in the flow of the offense, is it felt like how he was getting those shots. Uh, it feels like in those previous games, David McCormick has kind of come out and said, hey, well, I'm going to force the issue here. I'm going to make the defense stretch out to me uh, so then Doak can have his space inside to be so good and move guys around. But I think what you've seen now is McCormick say, okay, let's get Doak some paint touches. Let's get in the flow of the offense a little bit, get the ball moving. And then if a shot opens up for me, then I'll take it. And I think what you've seen also now is those shots aren't necessarily from kind of the edge of the mid-range. Those are kind of like now just solid mid-range shots in that kind of 10-foot range. Um, so those are kind of the efficient shots that he's able to take and he's able to make. You know, he went 11 from 14 from the field against Kansas City, and it felt like for him, the reason that he shot such a high at a, such a high efficient level is because he was taking those shots in the flow of the offense where what was happening was Kansas City would be sending an extra body at Doak like so many teams have this season. And Doak was doing a really good job of identifying that and either passing it to McCormick or passing it out to the perimeter, or then they could swing it around, either get it to McCormick or get into a different uh, sort of action. And from that, McCormick was able to get some open shots that just came through the flow of the offense instead of trying to force the issue on the perimeter. And I think that's the biggest takeaway you have to have uh, offensively from Kansas in this game was just how different David McCormick looked. Because you think about what Bill Self has said this season about Kansas's two big looks. He says for them to do well in March, they need to play well in those two big looks. And I think what you saw 
on Saturday was the formula for that to work going forward. It's not David McCormick, you know, trying to push things. It's just relaxing, letting Devon Dawson do his thing off pick and rolls. Uh, let Ochai shoot the spot up threes. Marcus Garrett, he made some threes in the game as well. I'll mention him a little bit in a little bit about uh, the way that he's played and how he impacts it too and helps you do guys bouquet with his shot. But for McCormick, it's so important for him that if he's going to be on the floor, he has to be spacing it and be uh, moving efficiently. And Bill Self said after the game that he felt like McCormick did a really, really good job of staying out of Doak's way and that Doak also did equally a good job of staying out of McCormick's way when McCormick did get those good matchups in the post. Now, there were a few shots that McCormick had where he did force it. Uh, I think about in the first half, a little jump hook he had where he kind of was falling away, got a little off balance, and still tried to force up the shot. But for the most part, I think those shots that he was getting were real positive for Kansas just because uh, it didn't take much effort for him uh, because that's not something you want. You want guys like Devon Dotson, you know, guys okay, trying to create their own shots. You know, for guys like David and maybe a little bit more uh, someone like Ochai at the moment, uh, maybe their shots are created from others uh, for them spacing the floor or just taking what the defense gives you. Uh, because I do think Ochai has been uh, pretty good driving this season. It just doesn't feel like he's always driving with the authority or the confidence uh, that he should have because he is so athletic. So now that brings me to the Yudoka Azubuke point where it felt like in this game, this is something where in maybe two years ago, this would be a game where Doak maybe would have uh, had five or six turnovers, uh, would have shot a, not a great percentage. Because what you remember from Doak in that sophomore season and even in that freshman year was that he'd get the ball down low. And if it was one-on-one, he'd be great. But as soon as a second guy came, he would panic sometimes. He'd put the ball on the floor, try and dribble. Uh, he would try and force up a shot over two guys. Uh, what you saw against Kansas City was uh, a senior Doak. And someone that's been more experienced has seen that look before teams do that to him. So what you saw from him was Kansas City would bring a double team and Doak wouldn't panic. He'd take an extra dribble and then move it out. He had four assists. That's one off of a career high. And for Doak, I think that's the biggest positive takeaway from him as well. And in that too big look as well is his ability to read the floor and read what is happening around him and then to react off of that. If he has a good matchup in the post, he's not afraid to take advantage of that and finish the ball at the rim at an extreme efficiency. But if the extra guys are coming, it really does feel like now he has a real good feel for it and is able to pass out of those looks. I think you saw a little bit of that last season with him uh, early on before the first injury, and I think that that's something that is now carried over into this season and for Doak and for KU, that's got to be one of the most encouraging things I think you've seen early on in this season is how willing Doak has been to be a passer in those situations where extra bodies are being sent to him. Because that's what's going to happen in the NCAA tournament is teams are going to try and send extra bodies at Doak and in, in Big 12 play. They're going to send extra bodies at Doak and try and take them away because if you let Doak get in the paint, that opens so much else for Kansas offensively just in terms of spacing the floor uh, and creating driving lanes off of that. So teams are going to try and stop Doke. And for him to be able to read the defense, not panic and have a lot of turnovers, I think that's got to be really encouraging for KU going forward. Now, I mentioned the floor spacing aspect of it. I think for Marcus Garrett, 
this little tidbit as well. Uh, this is back-to-back -back years where Marcus Garrett has made two or more threes in this Kansas City game. Uh, in the game last year, he made two threes, and then last night he made three threes as well. And he's someone that maybe doesn't need to shoot a ton, but he needs to at least be shooting a couple per game just to keep the defense honest and just to space it. Uh, because what will happen is what we saw last year, where if Marcus isn't going to shoot that three-point shot, teams are just going to sag off him and throw that extra body at Doak. And Marcus is going to have to either be a super efficient slasher, which he has been at times, but he's also, with length in there, struggled uh, through patches. I remember last season, especially, there was a, a stretch where he really wasn't finishing at the rim too well. But you know, career-wise, he's a pretty solid finisher at the rim. But he's not going to be able to always do that because that's just going to crowd the paint even more. So for him, he's got to keep shooting those shots from outside, and that's going to continue to space the floor for KU going forward, which will also help KU use that too big look so that maybe you don't have to have uh, Devon Dotson, Ochai, and Isaiah Moss in there with the two bigs where you can have Marcus Garrett and his defensive abilities in the game with those two bigs as well. All right, so moving on to KU's next challenge, which will be a Villanova team that I think maybe is a little bit underrated. I think it's hard to tell with what they've with who they've played so far and who they've played to beat and lost to. Um, they do have two losses coming into the Kansas game, but the two losses are to the you know what may be ranked number one Ohio State. Um, recording this Sunday afternoon, so I'm not sure what the AP poll will be. You know, I could definitely see KU being it, but. Uh, I, I would not be overly shocked if Ohio State comes in at number one. Regardless, you know, Villanova lost to Ohio State, and then the other team they lost to is Baylor. So Baylor's supposed to be a really good team under Scott Drew. You know, they're a top 25, top 15 program so far to start the season. Uh, and what you can expect from Villanova is what you've seen from the past years from this team, is they're going to be really good on offense. You know, if you look at, if you're into the kind of the Ken Palm rating stuff, uh, they're number two in Ken Palm's offensive adjusted efficiency. Uh, that's a big deal. They are really effective with their shooting. Uh, they shoot the three ball at a really high clip, you know, 38%. And, you know, this goes back to the story that I wrote uh, a week and a half ago talking about the three-point disparity, you know, between opponents and KU, where opponents have gone out of their way to shoot more threes against KU to try and keep games close. Well, now KU is going to face a team that is going to want to shoot a lot of threes and they're not even going to hesitate to pull from deep. So this is going to be a real big test for KU, and to see, I'm curious to see what Bill Self does in terms of lineups. Because if you do go with that too big look, uh, you got to make sure that David McCormick is on his game. Uh, just because you look at you know that Villanova lineup, uh, their three and four men are both six foot seven, uh, six foot eight. Uh, Shadiq Bay and Jermaine Samuels, two are their three and four guys. Uh, those are two guys that can space the floor and can attack. Shadiq Bay leads the team in scoring. Uh, so that's going to be a tough matchup for McCormick if he does uh, play uh, at the four at all. So this could be a big game for guys like Tristan Anaruna, for Isaiah Moss uh, to come in, and maybe even we'll see some Christian Brown. I'd be interested to see if Bill Self uh, goes to Christian Brown at all, and if so, how long of a leash he gets when he's in the game. Uh, this will be a good point guard matchup for KU, I think. Um, you know, Colin Gillespie uh, is a talented player. Uh, he was a pretty high recruit out of high school, uh, but I think Devon Dotson should be able. Uh, I think I think if you were to match this up, just on uh, you know, just position by position, I think you would give the advantage to KU in the point guard uh, category. Now, 
for Doak, this is a game that I think you could see uh, him dominating. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl has played a little bit of the five for them, but they also have just a true center that they will play at times. Uh, but even then, you know, it, it, this is just in general, uh, this is going to be the toughest matchup for Kansas so far this season. I think this is probably the best team KU's played this season since the Duke game. Um, but I think, you know, if you look at KU and Duke going into March, I think KU maybe matches up a little bit better with Duke than they would a Villanova team like this that's going to play such fluid basketball uh, on the perimeter. So I think for KU, the, the biggest thing is can they turn Villanova over and can they just stop the three-point line? Because KU has been pretty good this season at stopping teams on the three-point perimeter. I think they're, you know, what would it be? I think they're top 80, 85, I want to say maybe. Um, oh, no, sorry. They're 81st in the country in three-point percentage. They allow teams to shoot 29% from three. So for KU, can they stop Villanova from beyond the arc? Because what's going to happen then is KU is going to be able to hit them uh, and get those rebounds, either go in transition or slow it down and get Doak in the post and get those efficient looks from inside to where they maybe get some more offensive rebounds, get the extra, extra possessions to maybe counteract what Villanova is going to do on the three-point line. Uh, this wouldn't surprise me if this is a game a little bit like Dayton, where you see Villanova make it in that you know thirteen to sixteen three point you know range, but I think Kansas with its defense and its ability to score efficiently inside the arc, I think they'll just be uh, too much for Villanova to handle. Now, from a big picture perspective, uh, going forward, some things you uh, may want to look for uh, in terms of uh, improvement for KU before Big Twelve play starts. Uh, I think you really got to see some better play from. Uh, Tristan Anaruna and Christian Brown. Uh, Silvio DeSos can get uh, wrapped in that too. I focused my postgame story on him. I thought he uh, had some flashes in the second half. They're real positive. Um, but in terms of you know the first half, I don't think he played too well. Bill Self didn't give him too much run anyway. But in the second half, I think you saw some flashes, but he's just got to be more consistent with the energy that he brings. Tristan Anaruna went one for 10. Uh, He's got to play better in terms of uh, the way that he plays on offense. You know, he's a guy that loves to shoot the ball. Clearly, uh, you've seen that, and he's not afraid to shoot the ball, which is good. But he's got to be someone that's making the shots because he can't. You know, in terms of you look at who he had more shots than he had more shots than Doak. He had more shots than Marcus Garrett. He had more shots than Isaiah Moss. Like uh, Tristan Henry should not be taking more shots than guys like that. So. I think for him, he's got to play a little bit better. I think you saw some good things from Christian Brown in terms of effort and energy. Uh, I thought you saw some better things from him rebounding the ball, getting those extra possessions. Uh, so for Christian Brown, I think the key for him going forward is going to be, you know, can he consistently get those extra plays? Because Bill Self has complimented that ability of his to be able to go get loose balls, to get those offensive rebounds, to get the 50-50 balls. Uh, so can he do those things going into Big 12 play where maybe he can earn himself a little bit more run uh, once Big 12 play starts so that those guys like Mark Scare and Devon Dotson and Nochai don't have to be playing that 35 to 40-minute range per night. So that's all the time we have for today. Um, as always, if you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, we always love the feedback. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain 97 uh, National Signing Days this week. We'll have some really good content there. Felipe Franks visited Kansas this weekend, the Florida graduate transfer. Uh, so, and there could be some more commitments coming. Uh, you know, National Signing Day, busiest recruiting time of the year. 
so we'll have a ton of really good stories from there. Uh, we'll be at the Les Miles press conference on signing day to hear what he has to say about the guys that are signing with Kansas early. So as always, stay tuned to Fogdunet for all sorts of great coverage. And with that said, we will talk to you after the Villanova game next week. Thank you.